again on Monday night. And here we go. Welcome to the Blue Sand News Podcast. This episode is one time. I've for the last three or four weeks now, but football's back, man. All right? This is another iteration of football's back. We got NFL football coming up tomorrow night, depending on when you're listening to this. Bears versus Packers. I couldn't be any more excited. It's like from five weeks ago till now, there's like a different milestone of football being back. Exactly. So like it, pre- Call of Fame game, football's back. The, you know, your team uh-huh. plays their first preseason game, football's back. College football, you know, week zero, football's back, even though it's not really college football. It actually starts, football's back. NFL, that's just five right there. Football, this is, it's, 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 the, it's the season of football being back. That's there's, so, It goes summer, football's back, fall. We're in football's is, back. This is fully back. We're fully yes, back. We are now. now fully all the way back starting tomorrow night, and I could Foot, not be more excited. Football is in full swing, so that means we're in full swing. Got a ton to cover today. We're going to whip it around, make some uh, divisional champion predictions here, as well as a Super Bowl matchup. We're going to pick our MVPs. We're going to talk a little bit of Bears football. Bears. We're going to do a little buy or sell, and uh, we're going to get you ready for Bears-Packers, as we said, Thursday night, depending on when you're listening to this. So uh, this will drop later on today, the, today being Wednesday. So um, tell your friends, uh, tell your children, tell your wives, get them all to listen today. Call and, your uh, sons, we'll call your daughters, call your friends, call your neighbors. That's it. Call everybody. Preview. Call everybody. So, Matt, uh, how do you want to start things off here? You want to? You, I uh, I you think we got into the Bears here. Or you want to whip it around the NFL? I think we got to start with the beloved. I mean, this is we're, we're a football okay. podcast, but we're Bears guys. I, let's let's I let's kick things off. You. Tomorrow night is. I mean, that, that's pretty much as big of a game as we've seen since the NFC Championship game, probably right. Yeah, and this. Uh-huh. I know that was to get to a Super Bowl, but like this is kind of right up there with it. I feel like this is a a tone setting game for the rest of the year. And I know last year they they lost that opening game in, in heartbreaking fashion, and they recovered from it. But this is a new season. They're playing with expectation and starting off on the right foot against the, a Packers team that kind of thinks they're back too, setting the tone for that division, not kind of falling back in old patterns. I think is huge for for the way the season's going to go. This is also a exorcism of demons. Uh, we've had to sit and and just fester in the loss against Philadelphia in the double doink and having to uh, you know go through the rigmarole of finding a kicker and everything that goes along with that. But Eddie Pinheiro's the guy. It's a new season with new opportunities, and I just can't wait to see some snaps to get us further removed from what we saw last season. I think that's also a big thing about Thursday night is – uh, shaking those demons and getting back to a place where you are not only the favorite in your division, possibly the favorite in your conference, but one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl. And that's just an exciting time to be a Bears fan. So I'm going to, I guess, start you off there. I never <clears> thought <throat> we'd start off a football preview podcast by talking about special teams and kicking. Sometimes um, you got to. We kind of thought count. we kind of thought the money might be freed up to go after you know a little bit more of an expensive kicker. It sounds like they made the right decision. Obviously, they missed out on Kari Vedvik, who ended up being cut by the Vikings, which so might have dodged a bullet there. Um, it seems that money that they freed up uh, restructuring, who was it? Leno went to Cody Whitehair's extension with that, which everybody seems pretty pumped about. Which is huge as well. Yeah, um, Eddie Pinero's going to get that shot, shot week one. He he kicked fantastically indoors against the Colts in week three. Not quite as good uh, week four there against the Titans. He missed that extra point, but did bounce back and, and makes make I think the the rest of his field goals the rest of the night. So where are you at, at Eddie Pinero? You think over under here? Well, bonus under over under bonus buy or sell? Is he going to last? You know, four or five weeks or to the buy as the Bears kicker? 
I think he does last. Um, he is, which is always worrisome, but he is a kicker with swagger. You know, he's got the tattoos, mm-hmm. he's got the earrings, he feels himself a little bit. So if we get a good thing going, I think he could hold this thing over for the entirety of the season. Is that wishful thinking? Perhaps it's based in uh, just boneheadedness. But uh, I, I do think that he's the type of guy that if a snowball gets moving downhill, uh, we could see some good things about him. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that I don't know if there's action that can be taken on it. I do like Eddie Pinheiro to last four-plus weeks, and I do like him to hit a 50-plus yarder on Thursday night. I think that that's going to really just be the spark in a powder keg to really get this thing going. Yeah, and uh, I guess one thing, I, I like what you said there, too, about his, his mentality. He seems to have a little bit of a swagger to him, a little bit uh-huh. of, he, he doesn't have confidence issues unless that's a false front, which it, it doesn't seem like it is, uh, because that's kind of hard to fake. And another thing I've liked, and this should have been simple last year, but it really wasn't, um, he's practicing at Soldier Field during the week. He's talking about wanting to go out there and kick on that surface, be in that stadium, be in that environment, be in that wind, because obviously that's different than, you know, open fields at Hallis Hall, which is something that, you know, last year's kicker um, didn't want to do was saying that, you know, there's, there's traffic getting out there and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. And, you know, I, if you're going to complain about Chicago traffic, then maybe don't get paid $4 million. But um, I, I'm with you. He seems committed to want to do all the things to make him a better kicker, a better player. He seems like he is, like you said, he has the confidence and the swagger. And quite honestly, he hasn't done a terrible job this preseason. I think there is a little bit more to be desired. But you saw flash in, in, in Indy. I mean, he drilled, what was it, a 58-yard field goal right down the middle. Um, yeah. I know it's kicking indoors, and it's a little bit easier. And Soldier Field's tricky, uh, a tricky place to kick. But uh, he seems like he has the talent, and that's why the Bears kept him, because he does have that ability to drill those 58 yards when he's you know making good contact with the ball, which it seems like he does. Not that I know anything about kicking other than go kick the ball through those field goal posts, but that's that, that's my kicking analysis. What I do know is that nobody was perfect last season, and I don't think anyone's had a perfect kicking season in a very long time, perhaps in the history of the league. Even there Robbie going, missed four last year. There are going to be missed kicks. There's probably going to be a missed extra point here or there as well, which is unfortunate, but it's just the reality of the situation. It's a it's a fallible operation where a lot of things can go wrong, especially, like you said, when you're playing at home at Soldier Field where maybe the elements come into play, that wind starts swirling a little the bit. The surface so, of the field's never been great. All that I ask is that the Bears faithful have patience with this kid if – in the second quarter on Thursday night, he misses one from 45 yards. Just make sure the boo birds don't come out. Um, there's a time and a place, and I made my peace with that, that I was behind the fans who booed, uh, who booed Parky coming off the field because situationally what that meant to the team and to the mm-hmm. franchise, what it could have meant. Let's not boo this kid the second he misses a forty-five yarder. That's all. Yeah, I'm this asking. is this is week one, not wild card weekend <laughs> to win it. I mean, I, I think I think you're absolutely right, and I think you do have to give him a little bit of time because he's not going to be a perfect kicker, and it might actually take him a little while to settle settle in. But if he has the talent, and he's showing the flashes in practice. I think you're right; he deserves that patience. And th- th- this is something I actually really wanted to ask you because you have been a holder. Uh, I mean, in through college and high school, if I'm not mistaken, eight right? years, for quite eight some years time. of high level Great holder. Uh, I, I, I don't recall many uh, mishandled snaps um, because I, I played with you for what was it six of those eight years. I don't recall many missed snaps. Um, something that's been brought up to me, our, our good friend of the podcast, Rob Gallick, brought it up, and I've heard it said here and there. You know. Pat O'Donnell's been the holder. He's kind of been the constant through all these kicking problems. And either even there when, you know, Robbie Gold 
kind of took his turn for the worst before getting cut and, and being better with San Francisco. Granted, Robbie said a lot of that was on him and not yeah. working as hard as he could. But I do want to ask you, is there something to the theory that, you know, maybe not, not entirely, but this could be on the holder and maybe there should be, you know, exploring a different guy to be holding down the kicks. How important uh, is the hold to the kicker or is it just get the ball down? It doesn't matter how he gets the ball uh, down, just get it down. No, the, the, the hold and the snap are two integral things. And now the snap, ideally has nothing to do with the kick, even if it's a bad snap, it's the holder's job to get it to the spot. So I think that if your holder is struggling or not able to appease your kicker, you do have to go different routes. But in the NFL, there's so many rules. Practice time is so tight already that your kicker and your holder need to be together for the hour and a half, two hours that you're out there. And that means oftentimes only your punter can be with him. The specialists, if you've ever been to an NFL practice – just kind of do their own thing. They play rock, paper, scissors. They get a little practice they, in. They have a lot of fun. It's not they have really a lot of free practice. Time. Well, they have a lot of free time, and they can yeah. work on it with each other. Um, that's why I think you see a lot of punters holding for their kickers or backup quarterbacks in mm-hmm. non-team settings or in non-team drills get over with the kicker and get their reps in. I think that falls. The onus 100% or 50% is on the kicker. 50% is on the special teams coach to open up those lines of communication and say, hey, this isn't going right. Pat's tilting it a little weird. He has mm-hmm. trouble getting the laces where they need to be. Um, he has trouble getting it down. He's setting it a little close to his back knee. If the kicker is not appeased, then the kicker is taking his steps without the confidence that he needs. So you need to be able to not even think about that. And ideally, that conversation happens three weeks ago, and he's comfortable with Pat O'Donnell going into the season. But I don't think anything with the Bears kicking situation has been comfortable over the past couple months here. So mm-hmm. – would that relationship strain surprise me? No. Um, would it surprise me that was part of the problem? No. But I also do think that Robbie was going through a funk and Cody Parkey just doesn't really have much of a leg. So I wouldn't put it on Pat O'Donnell until we see Eddie Pinheiro struggle. Okay. Uh, I, I think that's a fair point. But I just that, that's something, you know, being a holder, I kind of wanted to pick your brain about. Um, enough about kicking, though. Uh, maybe at some point if yeah, there's we, some problems was, we can get. That was like you know, 10 solid minutes on kicking, I think. Maybe at some point, if, there, if there's you know kicking problems throughout the year, we get Ryan Ike on, we get you on, and uh, we get Mikey Kelly, and we just have you three kind yeah, of talk about it. You really guys hash talk it out. Out. The only hash things the out. only struggles the only struggles I ever had as a holder were in my first years as a holder, and it wasn't getting the ball down. It was with the whole appeasing the kicker part of the thing. And can you tell me who that kicker was? Uh, no, I can't. Why don't you tell me? Would have been my sophomore year at Fenwick holding for varsity, Pat Mulhern. Oh, see, um, I never, I never played with the fella. Yeah, Pat Mulhern was a tough, was a tough one to appease. Um, you could put that thing on the block with the perfect tilt, and he was just looking for an excuse why he missed it. So, um, if you're listening, right. Pat, love you, kid. Um, All right, let's like let's said, let's get to the uh, let's get to the other two phases <laughs> of the game here, shall yeah, we? Yeah, let's jump to the let's jump to the defensive side of the ball. I want to lead things off with an over under for you, Matt. Over sure. under one and a half takeaways on Thursday night for the Bears D. Uh, I'm going to say over. Um, I, I I think I, as a Bears fan, after watching what they did last year, I think I have to go with the over. Mm-hmm. Um, the Packers' offensive line is still it, – it seems like it's been kind of a question mark in flux for you know the past five years, and I think the Bears have the best pass rush in the NFL. If they're go- I mean, they have the best pass rusher in the NFL off the edge in Khalil Mack. Akeem Hicks last year, whatever it was, I think it was eight and a half sacks. I think you could see him get up to you know double digits this year. He's been that good. And then you have obviously Leonard Floyd, who you know showed flashes last year. You're hoping he makes some some steps up. 
And I think two guys who aren't really getting talked about a lot, but are going to take steps as well because they're younger guys, Bilal Nichols and uh, Roy Roberts and Harris had good preseasons, had good seasons last year. You think they get better. And if the Bears can take advantage of that pass rush and take advantage of that offensive line, I think you're going to see Aaron Rodgers under pressure. And whether or not those are interceptions or fumbles, obviously he doesn't throw many interceptions, but the Bears got one of them last year. Uh, I think you see a couple takeaways. Um, I'm not saying they're that's going to necessarily lead to a win. I hope it does, but I do think they're going to put a lot of pressure on the quarterback, which, as you know, in football leads to turnovers. Yeah, I'm just really excited to see these guys start flying around. Um, you talk I got a Khalil Mack strip sack again. I think that's you just pencil that in each week at this point. Um, was it the first three weeks of the season last year? He had, or for like three or four weeks, he had one in every game. What I really am excited about is, and now when you're scouting a team and you're studying a team, you know every player back and front. So I, mm-hmm. not necessarily opposing players, but opposing fan bases and analysts don't give the Bears defense as a whole or not even as a whole, they don't give the individuals on that defense the credit that they're due because of how good Khalil is. Everybody says in every conversation nationally, Khalil Mack and company. Khalil Mack and sometimes Akeem Hicks gets gets a little bit of love. But we're talking about depth on the defensive side of the ball that I I think is pretty unprecedented in the the league this year. We're going to see what Ha Ha can do outside. We're going to see if Kyle Fuller can pick up where he left off with the takeaways. Eddie Jackson has all pro written all over him for the next decade. Am I worried about the decline of Prince of Mukamura? Possibly. But I I think that the second corner, you can kind of shield that a little bit. Exactly. With the strength around him and and the way you can disguise things, I think we're going to be fine there. Like you said, Leonard Floyd, Roquan Smith. Hopefully I mean, the, the defense itself becoming one of the best defense, one of the returns, best linebackers in the game. You said Eddie Jackson has all pro written all over for the next, you know, however many years. They have three all pros returning already. So I, I, I agree with you. It's three. It's a bunch of guys that aren't quite getting the credit they deserve. It's they unbelievable. Want it's unbelievable. It's exciting, and I think that the precedent should be two takeaways a week. And I think that that's a standard that they're already holding themselves to. Um, I, I'm really excited to see this defense continue to take a step forward and I don't you know I'm not a big believer in Vic Fangio's gone they're going to struggle because not only do you have a very competent coach in Chuck Pagano but Chuck Pagano and Vic Fangio worked together in the past Vic, mm-hmm. uh, Chuck Pagano is going to dust off the Vic Fangio approach from last year add a couple wrinkles disguise a couple things bring a couple extra blitzes but it's going to look a lot like it did last year from a scheme standpoint and I think being able to fall into that same scheme for a defense is really important because then they can play and not think. So I, I don't think there's going to be a huge learning curve because there's a new coach, and I think this defense is going to be, again, tops in the league. Um, yeah. Last year, they led the NFL in takeaways and points allowed. If you can do that again, you set your team up to be successful, not only in the playoffs, but far beyond. I, I'm glad you brought that up because that was going to kind of be my next question to you. You know, What do you think the, the coaching change is going to do? I don't think it does think much. Like, like you it. said, Pagano coached Pagano and Fangio have coached together. They have similar, you know, uh, schemes and all that. This isn't like you have a young guy who's coming in or who got promoted that wants to, you know, make his mark and you know might have a little bit of an ego on him and think like I got to overcoach these guys. Chuck Pagano's been around a lot. He's been around some very talented defenses. Like you said, he's probably going to dial up a few more blitzes um, because that's just more of his philosophy. But in terms of scheme, in terms of letting these guys do what they do, he's he said it several times in interviews. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And it ain't broke. He's got all the talent in the world. There's no point in him coming in here and trying to completely redo 
what was the best defense in the NFL, you know, for no. the most part, by far last year. And I think he's smart enough to know that. And I think that we do see a lot of the same looks. And not to say that that makes them predictable as a defense. I think t- tomorrow night, excuse me, against the Packers, there needs to be disguise. There needs to be rolled coverages. There needs to be all those little wrinkles because Aaron Rodgers, no matter what you think of him, is still the best, if not one of the top two, three quarterbacks in the league pre-snap and post-snap like Mm -hmm. it's just there's no two ways about it his offensive line in front of him might struggle but he's going to get into some quick set looks he's going to set himself up for some west coast just dink and dunk he's going to protect himself he's going to try and move the ball down the field and he's probably going to have some success in doing that so being able to disguise coverages and um, maybe take advantage of the whole turmoil I don't know if you want to call it turmoil but the storyline of audible Mm mm-hmm in Green Bay and Matt LaFleur, uh, Aaron Rodgers finally the green light to Audible, which is crazy that I didn't have that green light before. But maybe maybe Aaron gets a little green light uh, happy, gets a little Audible happy and take advantage of that. Show him press man and, and then let him change the look and then sag to his zone or, or whatever goes into it. I just think that there's a lot of pre-snap that you can do defensively to throw Aaron Rodgers off with him getting comfortable back in an Audible role. All right, so I want to ask you here. I'm going to ask you for give me a breakout star on defense this year. Obviously, they have a lot of guys who are already established and not returning. You know, they're returning mm-hmm. with ten of eleven starters. But give me a name that maybe wasn't you know a top tier player on this defense last year that that you think you know turns maybe has a chance to be all pro. And then give me a bold prediction for this defense. I'm going to put you on the spot. Oh, I mean, chance to be all pro. I think if you're asking that question, the step from being a budding star to an all pro. My eyes immediately go to Roquan Smith. I think that with that defensive line in front of him, there's going to be so many opportunities to not only be active in run stopping, but in, you know, as I said, teams are going to have to rely on the short passing game. And that's when, when you have pressure in the short passing game, your linebackers start coming up with some interceptions. So I think mm-hmm. Roquan takes a step forward to that all pro sort of region. And I think a guy that takes another step forward is uh, Bilal Nichols. And um, just because same kind of thought process where there are so many things to worry about for an opposing offense. You forget about Bilal Nichols. When you're, when you're sending a running back and a tackle at Khalil Mack and you're chipping the other side and you're trying to double team, excuse me, the, uh, that's okay. We, we, we've yeah. had worse noises interrupt this podcast. Yeah, we have. It's just a lawnmower. Yeah. What are you going to do? Um, but, I lost my train of thought there, but the thought process being when there are so many things to worry about and you're throwing chips here and doubles there, someone's got to get left open. There's going to be a mistake. Someone's going to come off free. And I think a lot of times that's going to be lesser known names, like perhaps an Eddie Goldman or, uh, or a Bilal Nichols. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting because I'm going the same two positions, but two different names, which should show you how deep that this Bears defense okay. is. It's hard to call Danny Trevathan a breakout star, but he is someone who kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit. I think in mm-hmm. this defense with how many big names, he's going into a contract year, I believe, this year. Um, so I think okay. he's going to be out to a stay healthy because whether he gets wants to get paid or you know take a discount stay here or hit the free agent market, he's going to want to get some money. And I, I think, like you said, there's so many names, especially now Roquan. I think is going to start attracting a lot more attention in the middle. He's going to be the guy going on those blitzes a lot. That I think there's going to be a lot of cleanup duty chances, run stopping chances for Danny Trevathan. And I think we've seen in past years, granted the defenses haven't been as always as deep. That run-stopping defense has kind of always gone as Danny Trevathan has, and I think that's uh, in today's NFL, especially with the schedule the Bears are going to play. 
um, an incredibly important thing to have is, is a run-stopping middle linebacker, and I think people are, might gloss over how good Danny Trevathan is, and I hope we kind of see some flashes. And I, I think, like, you took Bilal Nichols. I mentioned earlier Roy Robertson-Harris, mm-hmm. uh, another guy who I, I believe he had a forced fumble in the Packers game last year. Uh, he, he believed he had a sack as well. Uh, he had a pretty solid preseason. He's going into a contract year. He's a guy who has a chance to play himself out of being on the Bears next year if he has a good season. He's got length, which on the defensive as an offensive lineman, if you have long arms and, and you're strong, you're. I always thought that was the most difficult person to block because they can get that extension on you. He's got that. Mm-hmm. I think we've seen steps from him each of the last couple of years, and last year we saw some serious flashes. So. And for the same reasons you think Bilal Nichols is going to break out because there's so much attention on the other guys, kind of the same reason I think Roy Roberts and Harris might have a chance to be a breakout star. I was really hoping that you were going to go Nick Kwiatkowski. Oh, no. He's just so (laughs) slow. He's so slow. And I'm going to make the bold prediction here of Khalil Mack is going to break the Bears' single-season sack record. It's 17.5 set by Richard Dent in 84. Um, You want to go bold, let's, let's go bold here. I think Khalil Mack is going to do that. I think that's well within range. It, it all depends the way he's going about it because he's said in the past, and I've listened on a couple of mic'd up segments, he goes for the ball. He knows that if he doesn't get to that quarterback in the first two and a half seconds, that the throw is coming out soon, mm-hmm. and he's trying to get a hand on that ball rather than get to that quarterback. Um, he's got such a great internal clock that I think sometimes he makes that business decision when he could have a sack to just mm-hmm. go for that ball. Um, so, but no, I'm I'm right there with you. I think that um, he he's uh, not to spoil anything, but going to be in that MVP conversation once again. How about the, this as well? It, it just kind of came to me here. I think the Bears have a chance to have three double-digit sack guys this year. I think legitimately, I think Khalil Mack should almost be. It's hard to say pencil him in for double-digit sacks, but I think that's mm-hmm. possible. Akeem Hicks has had eight and a half in 2017, seven and a half last year, and you think he's going to get. You know, be every bit as good and as important that defense this year. So that's just kind of a matter of a few more sacks falling, you know, quarterbacks falling into his arms instead of rolling out the other way. Mm-hmm. And you know, Leonard Floyd, if he's going to do it, is going to have to break out at some point. And he, you know, he had seven in his first year, has dropped off the last couple of years since. But if they're sending a little bit more pressure this year, maybe he's a guy who benefits from that. So I, I think that's something that's very attainable and probably should be the goal for this Bears pass rush. Uh, quite appropriately, Matt, the offense. Uh, when you have a defense this strong, oftentimes uh, goes to the wayside, is forgotten, and sometimes struggles uh, to uh, to get their get their just due. But I think that this is a a Bears offense that hopefully uh, will take the step forward uh, this year as well. Who are a couple guys that you're going to have your eyes on? Uh, obviously, uh, David Montgomery coming out of the backfield, um, just doing everything that you need out of a, a running back in this offense, catching the ball, running with the ball, being able to be moved around, understanding the offense, picking up blitzes, um, all that goes into it. My eyes go there, but I think because of that conversation that has surrounded Montgomery and the expectation there, no one said the word Tariq Cohen since last season. No one's really talked much about Reek. I don't know if that's because we're protecting our hearts from a fall bet, from like a, a step backwards, um, that that inkling of fear of you know his size and his durability was tested last year, and he, he looked fantastic. Um, but I think, again, you have a, a, a massive, massive weapon in Tariq Cohen that, again, opposing teams are preparing for, but I don't think the general public really 
is giving uh, Tariq Cohen his just due right now. No, and I, I think it's because of kind of where he plays on the field. I know he's you know his position is a running back, but he's not your you know he's your he's your spread type running back, your scat back that is going to line up in slot, is going to you know line up in the backfield, is going to line up sometimes on the outside. He's done that before too. So I think because of how many different things he does well, he kind of gets to. With how much he is spread out, I, I think the certain things he might do really well get, might get overlooked because of how you know how far and how much he does for this offense. But I agree; no one really seems to be talking about him. I believe he he was a Pro Bowler last year as well, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think he. You said David Montgomery. I think David Montgomery is going to lead the, lead the team in carries. I think in terms of running back touches, though, you're going to probably see Tariq Cohen get because he's going to get a bunch of carries and he's going to get the ball out of the backfield as well. Um, my eyes, though, go to the receiving core and really mainly Anthony Miller. Um, everybody knows about Allen Robinson. Um, everybody knows that Taylor Gabriel can stretch the field. I think Anthony Miller showed some flashes last year. He got open a whole bunch, and he's a second-year guy that you know seems to be getting healthy, even though he kind of tweaked that knee, I believe it was, early in camp. Um, I love what I saw from him last year. I love how he catches the football. I love his route-running ability, and he's got some sneaky speed. He climbs the ladder. like. Guy. He goes up and gets it, and him and Mitch seem to have some chemistry. I think he is – people want to you – know, like you said, that the offense gets a little bit glossed over. But if you look across this the board on this offense, they have a lot, a lot of weapons. Uh, like you said, yeah. Tariq Cohen is a weapon. David Montgomery we expect to be a weapon out of the backfield. Allen Robinson is, you know, a all-pro receiver, you know, when healthy. Um, Taylor Gabriel can stretch the field as well as anybody. Trey Burton, when he's healthy, is one of the best, you know, spread tight ends in the game. There's mm-hmm. not a lot of weaknesses across that offense, and I think Anthony Miller might be a guy that flies under the radar a little bit. From Anthony Miller definitely flies under the radar, and I know it's a top-level comp, a little bit of a comp out of his shoes, and I know it's a different position, but the way that he attacks the ball in the air and his body control reminds me a lot of Larry Fitzgerald. Now, Larry Fitzgerald is one of the best high-pointers to ever play the position, mm-hmm. but his in-air control was so impressive last year that I think that that's a, that's a fair comp uh, right now. Now, hopefully the numbers and the success gets to that level, but um, uh, we shall see. I also think that, you know, he's a veteran now. He might be a little bit long in the tooth, but there's going to be some wrinkles for Cordero Patterson too. Mm-hmm. I, I think that... It's going to be a Cohen type. He's going to play a different position. Exactly. He's a, he's a wild card that, um, you know, we've seen have crazy success with other teams in the past. Now, there has been a dip already in that production since those crazy... Um, plays he was making with Minnesota um, four, three, four years ago. But he is a weapon who understands versatility in the offense, and I think that just gives Matt Nagy another toy to play with. It's it's very exciting. And, you know, the the one we haven't mentioned is the one who makes it all go. And uh, I think Mitch's confidence and, and Mitch's comfortability in this offense is going to shine through this year. And I think that, uh, you know, there are going to be mistakes because he still is young compared to all these other quarterbacks. He still is inexperienced compared to all these other quarterbacks. But I I think that his confidence has gotten to a place where he can be successful now. I think from what we've heard from camp, from what we've kind of seen last year, and I think what the, the confidence you're talking about that Mitch exudes seems to kind of rub off onto the offense, but you're absolutely right. He, he sounds like a guy that no matter how bad it might go for a game, like that Rams game, he played terrible. He still believes in himself and still came out the, the next few weeks and produced. And as you said, it, it, this offense goes, this team pretty much goes as far as Mitch is going to take them because we know how where the defense can carry him, but the offense is going to have to do their part this year if they're going to want to win the Super Bowl. 
for me last year, I know the playoff game wasn't great, but part of that was also on, I think, the coaching and the play calls mm-hmm. where the ball was going. Um, we saw it in the Packers game when they had to make a couple drives and go out and win a division You know, towards the end of the year last year. We, we saw it, I think, several moments. Remember, Mitch, Mitch Trubisky doesn't shy away from the moment, and I don't think he ever really has when he's given the chance by his office, or by his coaching staff, his play callers. He doesn't shy away from it. And I think one thing, I know I'm rambling a little bit here, that, that I saw in that wild card game that really I love to see that a lot of quarterbacks, most of the great quarterbacks have, Mitch found his safety blanket last year. When, when the reads break down and your guy's not there, you know, read one's not there, read, read number two's not there, he found his safety blanket against the Eagles and Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson is a very good one to have. When, when it wasn't there, he had no problem saying, you know what, that's my guy, I'm putting the ball up to him. If, if it's caught, great. If it's picked off, okay, fine, I took a chance going to my guy. Yeah. That's that's important to me because instead of scrambling, instead of throwing the ball away, sometimes he takes he started taking chances going to Allen Robinson, who ended up that game, I think, with like 12 receptions, 143 yards, something along the lines of that, and kind of took over that ball game in the fourth. So that, for me, was huge to see. Yeah, and my my point that I could make to back up what you're saying here is – I think history oftentimes only remembers moments, whether they be successful or unsuccessful. But remember how the Bears even had a chance to win that game against the Eagles. Come Mitch Trubisky, throw, turn, Trubisky took him down the field. Mitch Trubisky made two, three big throws to take them down the field into field goal range. That is all you can ask for from your quarterback. Mm-hmm. And if he continues to put the team in situations where they have opportunities to win, that is all that we can ask for from Mitch Trubisky. Now, if the kicking situation is what it was, then sorry, you got to punch it in. You got to go mm-hmm. the distance. But the ability to suppress nerves, read defenses, and execute in the moment is something that a lot of guys that are getting under center on Thursday, Saturday, and Monday, excuse me, Thursday, Sunday, and Monday mm-hmm. don't have. Um, and if Mitch can prove that he has that, then we got our franchise guy. The window's open. And unfortunately, as we're seeing here, they're going to have to pay him in a couple of years. But that's a conversation for another day, Matt. Yeah. And we, again, just kind of talked about him with Mitch, but you look at the entire team as a whole last year. And they played in a lot more big moments than I think any of us expected at the beginning mm-hmm. of the year. And I really can't think of a one where they really shied away from that moment. Um, they obviously opening night. They they ended up folding down the stretch, but they came out on fire. They still gave their team a chance to win. Mitch got them down. Or, um, you know, if Kyle Fuller doesn't let an interception go off the middle of his chest, they they still hold on and win that game. Mm-hmm. Um, they, you know, they were what undefeated in, on Sunday night football at home. They they played well against the Packers in the division when they really needed. To. I don't they believe they the lost the game by more than a touchdown. They no, I, by, I don't. They they I think they're big seven points. Uh, the I think the only game also they they didn't you know, they, they played against the Patriots. They lost that game by seven, but they were also a yard away from tying it on the uh, Kevin White uh, RIC <laughs> <laughs> catch on the one. Um, but oh, it, it's a team that kind of follows the lead of their coach, that follows the lead of their quarterback. That no matter how bad things might be going at times, they mm-hmm. don't shy away from the moment, and they haven't. And that's what seems to be a little bit different about this team than any years in the past that the bears have always been, you know, supposed to be good is that this team always seems almost seems to embrace it. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I want to say they were, cause I, I was doing some, some research for, for, uh, from work, but I think they were like five and one in primetime games against the spread. And the only one they didn't hit was the Eagles game. Um, so I, I think that, their ability to not shy away from them because they're going to have a lot of those this year is going to be, you know, pay dividends. And I know that schedule is tough, but the fact that they 
don't shy away from that moment that they love that pressure. They love the, you know, the bright lights, the spotlight is going to be huge for them going forward this year. Matt, you, you know, you know that this is NFL football and these are professionals and there's a reason that they're all there. And the cliche is any given Sunday, it's a game of inches. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's even less than that. It's a game of millimeters. There is so little separating the talent on a Super Bowl contender to a team that just missed the playoffs to a team at the bottom of the league. From mm-hmm. 32 to 1, there is talent everywhere. Now, there might be a more depth of talent and all those things, but the difference in winning and losing always comes down to execution and belief. And you can't execute if you don't believe. If there's any doubt in that locker room, which there's probably doubt in about 20 locker rooms right now. Mm-hmm. If there's any doubt in that locker room, scratch yourself off the list right now. There's no doubt. Have much doubt. There's no doubt in the Bears locker room. There was doubt in years past. Maybe not last year. I think last year is when they got over that doubt hump and started feeling themselves a little bit. Mm-hmm. If you build on that this year, which they should, and there's no reason to doubt, then it just comes down to the execution, and I think that they're in a good place to execute as well. All right, so we talked a little bit about you know potential breakout stars, guys to keep your eye on. But I'm going to ask you, put you on the spot here, ask you for a, a similar type defensive question. Give give me a bold prediction for this Bears offense, whether that's as a team, whether that's an individual. Give me something that you, that you think might shock some people come out and that happen this year. I think Mitch Trubisky two to one touchdown to interception ratio. Okay, I think that he protects the ball this season. I think that um, I think that the narrative is going to be. He's too safe. He's leaning on the check down because there's that happy medium of, oh, he's not taking his shots or, oh, he's taking too many shots. I think that Mitch understands the offense, and I think it's a live-another-day type approach sometimes, and I have no problem with that. I think Mitch's touchdown-to-interception ratio is 2-1 to one this year. You know, one of the big stories kind of early on in camp, at least, was obviously it was Mitch's progression, second year in the offense, should take some steps. Him and Nagy both kind of talked about you know, this year they're, they're going to open it up a little bit for him. It's more of like a, hey, obviously, you know, if your checkdowns are there, don't be afraid, you know, take your mm-hmm. checkdowns. But let's not be afraid to take shots this year either. I think last year he was coached up a little bit more to hit the checkdown when in doubt. I, I think this year he's going to take a little bit more chances, and I think that's going to end up paying off for him because I think a lot of times it was there. Um, my bold prediction, I think, goes a lot on what I talked about earlier with Mitch finding a safety blanket with, with Allen Robinson with what we saw in the, the wild card game, especially that second half, the fourth quarter. Um, I think Allen Robinson is going to set the single-season Bears franchise record for receiving yards. It's, it's right now 1,508 yards by Brandon Marshall in 2012. I, I That's think a Allen season. Robin, I think Allen Robinson is going to eclipse that. Um, I, I think if he's, if he's on the field for all 16, I think he, 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 uh, he surpasses Brandon Marshall's record because I think he's that good. I think he's fine. You know, he's last year he was healthy, but he was also getting back from the knee injury and kind of working back early yeah. on. I think he's healthy this year. He doesn't have to worry about rehab. He just has to worry about getting in football shape, getting ready for a season. And we saw what he did in Jacksonville with Blake Bortles of all people, you know, when he was healthy and really ready to go. So I think Allen Robinson combined with all the weapons on this bears offense, is going to be able to take advantage of, of some cornerbacks and defensive backs this year. And I think Mitch realizes how good he is. So, so look for him to be the, single season record holder in receiving yards in Bears franchise history. That'd be very exciting because 1500 yeah. yards anywhere is uh, it's a, a heck of a season. So it's a lot of uh, yards. Um, hoping that, uh, hoping that you're right, Matt, uh, we could 
as as you know, belabor over Bears fandom uh, for hours and hours, which we will this season, and I very gonna, much look we, forward to it. We're going to make a um, prediction for Thursday night? Yeah, we got to make a prediction for Thursday night, which is also going to lead us to uh, uh, my lock of the week, at least. And my lock of the week, and I, I usually steer clear of betting the Bears, but Bears minus three at home in an opener against a not-so-dangerous, and I, I knock on wood when I say that, Packers team, a, a gettable Packers team. My lock of the week is the Bears covering three at home against the against the Pack. I think that it's a 10-point win. I think that we all go home happy, and I think that we smile ear-to-ear until next Sunday. I love it. I, I think you're right, but as I've said several times last year, I and all good consciousness just can't take the Bears because I'm a, I'm a superstitious guy. I think I'll drink them, <laughs> take them, whatever. Um, I do like that pick, though, and I, I will probably be putting a couple shekels down on that one. Uh, my lock of the week is in Miami and Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore is a six-and-a-half-point favorite at Miami. I know that's a lot of points. I know road games are tough to win in the NFL. But Miami just traded everybody. I mean, yeah, they dumped just everybody at the fire sale. There's no belief, yeah, no belief, <laughs> no belief in that room. Um, I mean, Brian Flores probably. I think Brian Flores might actually be kind of happy because while his team might stink now, this probably buys him three years as the head coach. You'd have to think because yeah. this year's basically a throwaway. That said, the team has got to be a little bit distraught. I mean, Laramie Tunsil was said before he traded to kind of be the, the leader in that locker room, like a, a team, a teammate favorite, whatever, in that locker room, and now he's gone. Um, obviously, a lot more talent gone from there. I think they're a defeated team. I think the Ravens are probably going to come out with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder because the Browns are the talk of the AFC North, and then people want to keep talking about the Steelers with Antonio Brown gone and how good they're going to be. Ravens are a little bit of a forgotten team. John Harbaugh think- is a pretty good motivator. Uh, I think that I, defense I think that team got a little ready to play. That defense that got defense the swagger. Got, they got a little chip on their shoulder too, having to hear about how good the Bears and the Chargers defenses are. Yeah. And, and that's and a bad offensive defenses. line in Miami too. Now with Laramie Tunsil, but it already was a bad offensive line. Now that their best player is gone, I think that's an even worse offensive line. Um, so I like Baltimore to kind of come out and just absolutely blow the doors uh, off, so off your, are, your Miami Dolphins. There are they are Miami, Miami Dolphins. I'm not going to claim them this year, though. Probably so. Um, um, so uh, there are there are your two locks of the week uh, going into week two of our locks of the week. The Booster Notes Podcast zero and two in week one. Let's not talk about okay. it. But as we're, we said, we started out slow last year and then we we picked it up. Um, but hey, guys, wherever you're making your locks of the week picks, we all have our, our separate places to go make some bets. Um, Wanted to tell you about a place called betsperts.com. It's a, it's a website founded by uh, my cousin and our, our mutual friend here, Reed Rooney. But it, it's basically, think the Action Network, but I think you get actually a little bit more um, detail breakdown into picks, into you know trends that you can follow. You go to betsperts.com. You can kind of make your picks there. You can't place bets there, but you can make picks. You can follow anybody else that has an account on the site and see you know who's doing well where. And maybe if, if somebody that you follow is 12 and 5 and, you know, and I've seen North matchups throughout their, you know, the last couple of years. You follow up on them. You you can, um, like I said, make your own picks. You can look up sharp stats for just about any team. Uh, you, you can look up, you know, who's covered when, who's covered in night games, who's covered in day games, who covers at home on the road, records against the spread, all that kind of stuff. So if, if you're placing bets, get to betsperts.com. Uh, follow anybody you want. Follow me. I have an account on there at 10M Rooney. Joe is going to, we're, we're going to figure out a way to get him signed up. You can follow him. You can fade us. But uh, go check out betsperts.com. If you're making bets on the weekend, it's, it's a great place to kind of get educated on the, uh, on the picks you're going to be making. 
yeah um definitely go check out the site uh some good intel there if you're trying to make a little coin uh move some units this season uh i asked we're trying i asked my immediate when matt said that we had that as as part of the podcast and uh and an ad read which we always appreciate uh giving love to uh you know our friends who give us love and give us exposure so we really appreciate that but uh, i said you know, we need a free play here. He said, you can't bet on the side. I said, I still need a free play. All right. Someone find me a free play. Yeah, we, we didn't read for you guys. We gave it, you, gave, we gave you guys a site. So someone call us and just give us money to bet with. <laughs> Matt, let's, hard, uh, let's go around the league and uh, make some predictions here. Some bold predictions for uh, divisional champions. Um, so I'm going to let you, let you get set, get your notes out. Well, I, got, that, I, got, uh, I got the divisions all pulled up here. I'm, I'm ready to go whenever you are. All right, let's start in the AFC. We, we okay. just did a lot of NFC talk. Let's start Should we just AFC. skip the AFC East? AFC East, uh, New England Patriots, let's move on. AFC North, um, what do you like? I know you had mentioned kind of uh, Cleveland getting all the talk out of there, but uh, Baltimore very much in it, Pittsburgh very much in it. I think Cincinnati is the only team you can really write off there. Where are you leaning? I, I, I like Baltimore, but I can't pick them because of how often Lamar Jackson's going to run this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we've seen him pass with running quarterbacks. That's with running backs too. I mean, that's kind of how they treat Lamar Jackson. His he was healthy last year, but his health for a 16 game season is going to concern me uh, mm-hmm. with, with him running the ball as often as he does. So I like that team a lot. I just I'm not sure about their health. I'm going to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know everybody loves the Cleveland Browns, and right, rightfully so. They added a lot of talent. That's a team playing with expectation for the first time. That's a first year head coach that really hasn't proven much other than you know half a season as an offensive coordinator. Um, I like Baker Mayfield. I like the talent they have there, but I think there's a proven, honestly, this sounds a whole lot like what people were saying about the bears last year. Um, and the the bears certainly went out and showed everybody else wrong. Uh, but the Steelers have been Roethlisberger. They have a proven team. They still have talent there with Juju Smith Schuster and James Conner. The defense has gotten a little bit better through the draft. I'm going to go with the chalk there. I think until proven otherwise, but I think that's going to be a division race that kind of comes down to the end between you know, Baltimore hanging around for a while and then Pittsburgh and Cleveland towards the end of the year. But I'll take the Steelers in a very close divisional race. Yeah, I think that's going to be one of the more uh, exciting um, races uh, all season. And uh, I'm, I'm in lockstep with you. I'm going with Pittsburgh as well. I really think that they're going to be even better than last season. Uh, look what they did last season with distraction. Now that distraction is gone. Juju can go out there and be a wide receiver one. Um, ben can have his compliments around it. And Ben's at the point in his career where you know, say what you want about the individual and um, his relationship with his teammates and maybe some of those uh, locker room issues that he's had in the past. He is a person that demands success around him. He is a person that raises the talent level of everyone around him and always has for his entire, what's he going to do? I think year 15, 15 year career or something like that. Um, So again, I think Pittsburgh Steelers until proven otherwise is a good way to go about this one. All right. uh, AFC South. Uh, this one um, seems to be a, a race that was going to be a lot like the North and that you had you know, three, even four teams that could vie for that division title. Uh, luck calling it quits seems to have, uh, I think, maybe shut the door a little bit on that. But where are you going in the AFC South? Um, I think it shut the door but opened a window okay. because we're not talking about a guy in Jacoby Brissett who's never played quarterback or never started at quarterback he had to do it last year he had to do it the year before he's had to do it in new england now has he ever played a full 16 game slate and had success no but everyone's got to have a first go around i think if there's a division 
that leaves the opportunity open for a well-constructed team like the Indianapolis Colts to still have success, it is the AFC South. And I am going with the Colts. And I I think it's going to be close between the Colts and the Texans. Um, Jacksonville, again, that defense probably going to be strong, but offensively they're going to struggle. Tennessee, I don't even know enough about. Is it going to be Ryan Tannehill, uh, Mariota? I I just don't know what the tenor is there. They're without Taylor Juan for – I think four weeks because of the suspension. Um, so there's some issues in Tennessee. I think it comes down to Indianapolis and Houston. And I just don't believe in Houston at all. I, I just, I don't have a reason to believe in Houston at all. Now the talents there, they have one of the most talented quarterbacks who's ever, we've ever seen one of the most uh, versatile quarterbacks. They have possibly the best wide receiver in the league. They have one of the best edge rushers in the league, but there's some dissent there. And I think that there's, a lot of question marks in the future there. They kind of mortgage the future to try and win this year. And oftentimes you see the floor fall out from underneath him when you do those types of things. I'm going with the Colts still taking the division. See, I, I am going to go with Houston, um, provided that Deshaun Watson can stay healthy. I still think he's probably the best you know player offensively in that division. They have the best wide receiver in football, in my opinion. Um, they went out and added Duke Johnson, right, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. who I think is a really nice fit in that offense. They went out and got a you know a top ten left tackle in football, which was arguably their one of their biggest holes on offense. They added a guy in Kenny Stills, who I think flies under the radar, flew a little bit under the radar in Miami because he played in Miami, but I think he's going to be a real nice complimentary piece there to you know Will Fuller um, as well as, as uh, DeAndre Hopkins. And I know they don't have Jadavian Clowney anymore, but that's a defense that's kind of gotten used to being without Jadavian Clowney. Yeah. Over the last couple of years, they still have J.J. Watt. It's not the best defense in football, but I still think it's a pretty darn good one. And I just I don't really believe in Jacoby Brissett, and I'm not going to until – I know he played a year. They went, what, 6-10, and 10, and that was fine, but I'm not sure that's going to be – Did He, he did not, play that full first. That full he season, played yeah. – I believe it was the full season, if not you know the majority, of, the vast majority of it. I think the it Colts was the lock sit-out season, right? The Colts, yeah. When when Luck was out, when Luck originally retired, their uh, their season line ago. went down to uh, to six. I think it was over under six wins, which I would have absolutely yeah. taken. But now it's up around seven and a half, and that's kind of one I don't think. I think I stay away from. I think the Colts are better than people expected. I think they're you know a seven and nine, eight and eight type team because they've done a great job of building talent around the quarterback position. They just don't have the quarterback position anymore. I, I don't only- quite believe in Jacoby Brissett. My only doubt there in the South is every name that you mentioned with the Houston Texans has missed extended amounts of time, if not full seasons, with serious injuries. Deshaun Watson with a knee. Will Fuller with everything in the book. Yeah, Will Fuller's not playing 16 games. Um, J.J. Watt, when was the last time he played a 16-game season? There's just a lot of health question marks around that team. Um, but I like your pick. Keep in mind uh, Jacksonville, too. I mean, like you said, they're going to play great defense. We know that. Um, and – I don't really know what to expect from Nick Foles, but we kind of know where the ceiling is with him. Mm-hmm. And that gives them a better chance than Blake Bortles. And if he hits that ceiling, if he doesn't, I'm not sure it does, but it, it's a wide open. Division. If by the ceiling, you mean Super Bowl MVP, then yeah. Okay. It's a wide open division. He's not going to be asked to do a ton. And uh, maybe that benefits him a little bit, but that, that'll be that defense uh, is going to be why you're going to watch that team too. Let's head west. I will be at uh, Oakland versus Denver for the Monday night opener. It's going to be a blast. Uh, so, uh, in Oakland or in one. Denver? In Oakland. Um, okay. So we'll be, we'll be covering that one at the Coliseum. Antonio Brown's uh, debut as an Oakland Raider, the final home game, or final home opener for uh, Raiders fans in Oakland. Is that, that uh, like Monday night 
second game that's going to kick yes. off at like nine o'clock. Good. Yes. Love that um, that's, game. That's the Monday night second game. So uh, going to be a lot of fun at that one. But uh, looking at the AFC West, I think it's I think it's almost as cut and dry as the East. Kansas City Chiefs. I don't. Th- I, I think the Chiefs win it. I don't think it's as cut and dry though because I, I mean. Everything that could possibly go right last year for the Chiefs, with the exception of Kareem Hunt at the end of the year, did go right for them. Uh, I, I know that offense is going to come back. That offense is going to be really good. They also lost D. Ford, um, who's a very good pass rusher. I, I think they're going to be good, but I just I think there's probably a, a little bit of a regression coming. Mm-hmm. Not not to the point where they're not going to make the playoffs or anything. I still think they win that division, but I think the Chargers keep it close and challenge them towards the end of the year. Um, you know, until Phil Rivers proves otherwise, I'm gonna, I'm gonna believe, uh, be a believer in him and that he can get a team to the, uh, you know, to the playoffs or at least be threatening for it. I know they don't have Melvin Gordon, but Melvin Gordon missed some time last year, and that's an offense where you got some pass catchers coming out of the backfield and Austin Eckler, and now it's gonna be, I think, what's Justin Jackson, the Northwestern mm-hmm. kid. They're gonna get some chances, and Austin Eckler was a good back last year. Keenan Allen, when he's healthy, he's really good. Mike Williams, when he's healthy, he's good. They got some weapons there, and they're getting Hunter Henry back at tight end. That defense, like you talked about, was really good last year. They should be pretty good again this year. I'm going to take the Chiefs, but I think that's one that comes down to the wire that eventually Kansas City pulls away and wins. Uh, let's head to the NFC side, Matt. Uh, going to be some, I think, some more interesting races, whether you think that uh, there's more talent or not. Mm. I just think that there's uh... – there's more divisions up in the air uh, on the uh, NFC side. The proverbial annual crapshoot of the NFC East. Matt, where are you going? I lean towards the Philadelphia Eagles, but uh, Dallas Cowboys could, uh, how could put about, up a, How about them Cowboys? Could put I'm gonna, up a, I'm gonna go a, Dallas. a bit of a fight. You know, I, Dallas? I know everybody's on Philly this year, and I think Philly's going to have a good team. Philly's also relying on a lot of older talent. I mean, it's it's a lot of guys that have been there for a while that are kind of on the back end of their careers for the most part with the exception of Carson Wentz. Yeah, but this and to um, that, that point, this is, the, together, this, is the Wentz, this is the Wentz prove it year. He's got to be able he to play 16 games. And he hasn't, yeah, he played, what, 11 last year and obviously yeah. the, I think with the same, the same year before. So he's also got to prove it. And Say what you want about Dak, but Dak's a really good fit for what that offense needs. Mm-hmm. Dak's a very good quarterback for that Cowboys offense. They're not going to ask him to do a ton, but he's more than a game manager. And that Zeke obviously just signed that huge extension, so he's going to be back, and he's probably going to be pretty happy. Um, Amari Cooper's playing for money, and we saw how good of a fit he was in that last year. And I, I know he's old, and I know he had a terrible performance in the Monday Night Football booth, but I don't think you can oversell you know, Jason Witten's meaning to that locker room. Maybe not necessarily what he's going to produce on the field, but he's a guy who knows that offense, who can kind of mentor a group, and he's a guy who's been there before, been on really good teams. So I think he's going to be a nice fit. And obviously, got, that, that offensive line is still fantastic. He's got broken. He's got broken foot written all over him. He's got Probably. like Greg Olson metatarsal type situation written all over him. Once you take that year off and you go up into the booth, and I'm just, not saying I, he's I playing know. 16 games are going to even be that huge of an effect. I get on what offense, you're saying about I think his getting, presence. Yes. Getting that presence, getting that leadership back in the locker room, of a, in a locker room of pretty big personalities, too. I mean, obviously, Zeke has a personality. We see what Dak wants to get paid. He's got a personality. Amari Cooper doesn't have as big of a personality as the other two, but you know he's he's still got one, too, and he's going to want to get paid. Jason Witten's a guy who's been there before, who all these guys are familiar with, too. Um, that, that is, I think, a well-respected voice in that locker room and kind of almost a second coach in addition to Jason Garrett, who I, I'm not sure how the people feel about him. I won't ask you who I, who you believe is going to win the North because uh, I, I know it's, you. It's an I easy, know where it's you, an easy answer. I know where, where you, what you feel and where your allegiances lie, but who will pose the biggest threat to the Bears in the NFC Green North? Bay. 
Yeah, it'll be yeah. Green Bay. I, I don't. I don't think Minnesota really did too much to get all that much better. I, I know they have a couple nice receivers. Kirk Cousins is five and twenty-five all time against winning uh, winning teams in his career, so he stinks. Um, the Lions, reconstructed Adam Thielen doesn't really scare me either. But go no, on. The Lions are kind of the Lions, and they're gonna win a couple games they probably shouldn't in the division. Just don't let it be against us. <laughs> you don't let it be against us. Matt Stafford's going to do what he does, and he's going to throw for a lot of yards. He's going to throw a lot of picks, and I, I don't see what why they would be much of a threat to the Bears. It's going to come down to the Bears and the Packers. It might even come down, you know, to the last couple weeks, and um, it, it's going to be an interesting division. But the Packers will probably benefit from the easier schedule because I think they have what the third place schedule this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the Bears are the best team in the division. I think the Bears are the best team in the NFC, and I think they're going to win that division. Um, I think a fun storyline here, too, is Matt Stafford. Depending on what Tom Brady does this year, I think Stafford can break some pretty hefty records uh, this year. Like, they're well within reach. I I don't remember off the top of my head what those records are, but I think he's approaching some yardages. I think he's approaching some touchdown numbers, some milestones at least, uh, if not records. So it's going to be something to watch in Detroit. Stay healthy, play in the right offense. It doesn't matter how bad you are. You can still break records. There you go. In the NFC South, uh, I think it's going to come down to a two-team race. I mean, Carolina might have something to say for themselves, but New Orleans and Atlanta, I think New Orleans, Atlanta, Carolina, all three could come out of there, Matt. Who, who are you leaning towards? I mean, Carolina is going to, I, you can say this about any team, uh, in pretty much the NFL, but then more so because Cam has had those health issues. It comes down to whether yeah. you know, how healthy Cam is. If Cam's as healthy as, you know, is 100% healthy, they can win that division if he's not. And I don't think he is. He's already, you know, not, he's already suffering from some injuries. I think he got hurt in the preseason, whatever. They're not going to be much of a factor. Look at them to be, you know, seven, nine, eight, and eight. I think Atlanta has a bounce back here. I, I know new Orleans is good, but they're also another team, you know, relying on a little bit of older talent. I think they'll be right there. I think they're still a playoff team. Um, but I, I think Atlanta has a little bit of a chip on their shoulder after last year, that defense gets back. Uh, they're two starting safeties, uh, Keanu Neal. And I cannot remember, for the life of me, the other safety, but they played, I think, a combined four games last year, and they were out for the season the rest of the time, which you lose both your starting safeties pretty much week one and week two. You're in a lot of trouble. Matt Ryan's one of the most efficient quarterbacks in football. Devontae Freeman's supposed to be healthy. Julio Jones is, you know, a top three receiver in football. I like Atlanta in that division, in a close one. Uh, I I think this is a two-team race if Cam's not healthy, but I, I think Atlanta comes back and wins that division and makes a little bit of a statement this year. I like New Orleans coming out of the South for, again, boneheadedness. But uh, we're getting into the severe twilight of Drew Brees' career. And I think his locker room understands that. The coaching staff understands that. He understands that. And much like uh, the point I made about Ben Roethlisberger, about raising the play of those around you, Drew Brees does that like nobody else. And I think he does that in a much more positive manner than Ben does. And I think that that gets the best out of guys. And I think that, um, you know, in a, a do it for the senior situation, I mm-hmm. think, uh, I think New Orleans comes out of the South. Um, I, I can't say that uh, that's a bad pick. I, I, I think my biggest concern with them, and I know you said it's a, it, obviously they have a veteran quarterback who's, you know, in the twilight of his career, they're still really good. It's a veteran locker room. I'm interested to see how they bounce back from that NFC championship game. Yeah. If there's a little bit of a, a dull start, if there's a little bit of a, you know, still feeling sorry for themselves type thing, I don't think there's going to be, but there still kind of is that threat. Um, that was a tough way to go out. There's no way to, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That was a really tough way to have your season end at home. 
on a call like that and then, you know, you losing. Um, that's tough. But I, I'm uh, going to go with the Falcons. I do like your pick, though. Matt, give me an NFC West team, not the Los Angeles Rams, and make their case. Oh, I, I actually think the Seahawks are going to win that division. You think so? Um, it's If you let me pick the Rams, I would, I would still pick the Seahawks. Not that I, I think the Rams are a bad team. I think the Seahawks have taken some significant steps to improve. I think the Rams are you know, coming off a, a tough Super Bowl loss. And not that the Rams didn't have a target on their back last year, but I think there's even more so of a target on their back this year. I think we saw towards the end of the season a little bit of a formula to stop the Rams and, and not that they're going to be a bad team and will be producing. I just love what the Seahawks did this year. I, I still think they have a lot of leadership in that locker room. They brought back Jadavian Clowney. They hopefully added some depth to that receiving group. And they still have the best quarterback in the division. Um, I, I can't say that enough. Russell Wilson is fantastic. He just got paid, so he might be playing a little bit you know, more freely, not really have to worry about a contract, anything like that. The offensive line is, is going to be fine. Uh, the running back talent, the depth there is okay too. I, I just I think see the Seahawks have one more run left in them, kind of as a group, and I think adding Jadavian Clowney might re-energize that defense a little bit, and that's kind of what they've been missing the last year. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say the Seahawks take that division, at, you know, eleven and five, and the Rams kind of finish right behind them at 12, uh, ten and six. I like it. I have the Rams coming out of there. Um, just can't blame. The offensive prowess, and I don't think that defense gets the uh, gets their fair shake either. Um, it's kind of that- like a Bears offense defense situation where the the defense on the Bears gets so much credit, people forget that the offense has talent. Exactly, too. the Rams offense gets so much credit, people forget how much talent is on that defense. Exactly, uh, Matt. Before we jump into some segments here, I need a Super Bowl matchup and a Super Bowl champion. Uh, Bears over the Patriots. Bears over Pats. Bears I got Bears. Pats. I got Bears over Steelers. Love it. We're both. We're. I mean, not that either of us were not going to pick the Bears here, but no, I wouldn't nice have, been used have that. I didn't last year. No, but I this didn't year. the year before that. It, it's time to have that belief. It's time to have that expectation. It's time to take that step. I mean, this is the year to do it. This is the time to take the step. Everything's there. All the pieces are there. I wouldn't love going into a Super Bowl matchup against Tom Brady, but he's technically beatable there too. So let's let's do it. Bears Patriots. Yeah, I love it. Um, Matt, let's jump into a couple segments here. Uh, buy or sell? A couple of big contracts coming down to the NFL over the last 24 hours. Uh, gonna get your gonna get your temperature on each of them. Matt, buy or sell? Six years, ninety million dollars for Ezekiel Elliott, who uh, signed this morning and is back in the fold with the with the Cowboys. Um, I'm going to buy it because we've talked about it on this podcast before, and it gets talked about just about every time someone signs a big deal. Contracts are only as big as their guaranteed money, and I believe yep. Zeke got fifty million guaranteed. 50. So if, yep. it's, you know, if it's a six-year deal, that means the guaranteed money runs up about halfway through there. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I'm fine with that. I think he absolutely deserves what he got paid. He has been the best running back in the NFL. The, that offense has gone as Zeke has gone pretty much for the last three years. So I, I, I do buy it. I think it's a good deal for both sides, and it's it's one that the Cowboys can get out of. You know, after three years, if you start to see that production dip. Yeah, I will. Uh, I'll refrain from giving any glowing endorsements until I do see the structure of that contract. It has not yet come out, but um, as you said, uh, if you can get out of it after three, and if he still is a, uh, you know, is still a, a really choice asset after three, you keep paying him. But the thing that strikes me is, you know, the rule is you don't pay running backs anymore, and. Mm-hmm. This is the exception to the rule in the way they went about it, but I also think Zeke is the exception to the rule. I think his durability, his size, his power, his speed, 
are all once in a generation or twice in a generation if we're looking at Saquon Barkley. But I think those two guys are superheroes, and um, I think you got to pay a superhero. So I buy it as well. I think we'll find out if this is the exception to the rule because if you're not going to pay Zeke, then I don't think there's going to be a running back in the future that's worth paying. No one's getting paid. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm going to go to the college ranks. Uh, I know this is an NFL preview okay. show. We also have some week one college football. You, you watched Notre Dame on Monday night, I believe. We were talking about it. Um, Ian Book looked, let's call it shaky. First half, <laughs> looked, yeah, looked, shaky. Looked, looked a little bit jittery, looked a little bit happy feet. Didn't really, even in the second half when the offense got moving, he wasn't asked to do a whole lot. Exactly. Uh, he was taken off ball. earlier. Yeah, he was. He was uh, missing a couple throws. He was throwing some short. He, he always he wanted to, no pun intended, book it out of the pocket right after his drops. Um, Brian Kelly even said, you know, he's got to calm down. So I'm going to ask you, Joe, buy or sell a second consecutive year with a midseason quarterback switch? Um, contrary to our text messages shared during that game, I'm selling it. I was calling for the backup uh, before halftime. Mm-hmm. And they dro- drove down and got those points before half, which uh, quelled my nerves a little bit. Even I'm those selling two it. throws were to wide open receivers that they kind of did all the work. But go ahead. I'm selling it just because I think that uh, I think Book does settle down. I think Brian Kelly does a good job of getting him to settle down and to you know just fall back into the game plan and fall back into his good habits and fall back into some good some better decision making. Um, I think Ian Book, I think we're just so used to Notre Dame quarterback carousel and switching in the middle of the season and uh, and trying different things to make it work. I think Ian Book is a viable candidate at quarterback to play the full slate of games. And I think that he does. I mean, I don't know this kid, uh, the backup, but as of right now, I believe that he gives them the best uh, chance to win. Brian Kelly knows better than I, obviously. And if Brian Kelly feels that the backup's going to give him a better chance, he'll make the switch. But I don't think that's the case with a true freshman right now. Um, so the backup for the Urkovic is a redshirt freshman. Redshirt played, freshman. I think in the Florida, he got in in the Florida State game last year. He had a oh, okay. pretty bad spring game. He's a four-star recruit. Um, he did play pretty well in camp, though. A lot of the, the worries seemed to ease the bottom there. That said, it's not like last year where Ian Book was a guy who'd stepped in on a couple different occasions and proven his worth in a game. Um. That said, I, I think I'm going to hold on this because I think you'll find out at the Georgia game. Um, I, yeah. We saw Ian Book really in, in the the biggest you know hostile environment spotlight type game he played last year was at Clemson, and he folded. I don't think there's really much else you can say about it. He had happy feet, he bolted out of the pocket, he wasn't you know finishing through his throws, he, he wasn't making any plays, he tried to make everything with his feet, and he folded a little bit on the big stage, and then a lot of those worries, a lot of those same things he did against Clemson, you saw on the road against a team that, well, is better this year and has a new culture, a new, a new you know head coach, knew all that. It was still a two and ten football team last year, and he looked shaky again. So my worry is that you know if he goes into Georgia again and still kind of has these you know worries, concerns, you know lack of confidence in the back of his mind, Georgia is going to eat him alive. And if they do that, and if they're down, you know forty whatever in the 40 to 10 in the fourth quarter what's the point in going forward with a guy like ian book if you kind of know what he is and you know who he is in the moment why not give your four-star kid a chance but uh, i think you got to hold until that game because i think that's kind of when you'll find out all right matt uh heading back to the nfl and contractual obligations the uh rams giving speaking of guaranteed money giving uh jared goff all the guarantees 110 guaranteed 
uh, over the next four seasons. I believe the contract was 134 total. Buy or sell uh, uh, the deal for golf? I mean, you have to buy it. I mean, I guess he's proven yeah. to be – he's not an elite quarterback, but he's, he's, a, he's a good quarterback. He runs that offense well. And that's just kind of what you have to do with quarterbacks now. And it's going to be interesting to see where the Rams go with their salary cap situation because with they, they've been a perfect example of a team that takes advantage of a quarterback, you know, on a on a low number, on a mm-hmm. low cap hit early on. But that's going to change next year, so it'll be interesting to see what that does to the structure of the team. But quarterback's the most important position in sports. You got to pay him, so I think you have to buy it because the numbers are only going to keep getting bigger. Yeah, I think everyone's trying to get their deals done before the Pat Mahomes deal because he's going to get 200 likely or somewhere in that region, yeah. 195. Um, and then the, the game changes because if the the rate with which quarterback pay is increasing at a rate greater than the salary cap, you're setting yourself up to uh, to bury your franchise. So um, hopefully the Bears don't encounter a situation like that. But uh, cross Mitch, the bridge. Be, Mitch, be good this year, but not too good. Okay. <laughs> Mitch, be good, but then like don't want that much money. Just want to keep your defense together because <laughs> you, you're you're fine. You're still going to make a lot of money. Don't you want to play here? Uh, he listens that, to the podcast for sure. You got one? Hit me. Um, let the early speculation begin. The too early speculation begin. I'm going to pull up the stat line here because I want to get everything right. But I'm going to ask you after the incredibly impressive showing – uh, on Monday or Sunday night, excuse me, at home against Houston, Jalen Hurts buy or sell becomes the or is the I say buy or sell is the favorite for the Heisman Trophy after Week One. If you can pick a Heisman Trophy favorite after Week One, man, if they handed it out after one week, I know he guarant- I'm guaranteeing that he gets it. Uh, it's a yeah. fantastic showing, uh, doing things that only John putting up numbers that only Johnny Football had put up in the past, passing and rushing total yards numbers, touchdown numbers. Um, he looked like a man on a mission. He looked like a man possessed. He looked like a man with something to prove to the nation, to his mm-hmm. ex-teammates, to his ex-team. And I think everyone got that message. Um, even after the game, after winning by, what did they win, by 40 points or whatever yeah, it was? He wasn't happy. They he won 49-31. He was demanding more. He wanted to clean it up. He's he's hell-bent on destroying anything that stands in front of him. I think that he'll be in New York. Uh, maybe I didn't expect that before last week, but um, I don't know why I didn't expect that. He was exceptional at Alabama. He was dominant at Alabama. It was not his doing that lost the game at Alabama or that lost his position at Alabama. It was just another phenom coming up, mm-hmm. leaving Nick Saban no decision. But even when his number was called, when Tua wasn't doing it, he came in and won a national championship. He is the ultimate competitor, and I think that if he continues to put up numbers like he did last week on Saturday. Give him the Heisman right now. Yeah, 20-23, 332 passing yards, three touchdowns. Also, their leading rusher, 176 yards on 16 carries and three rushing touchdowns as well. So, I mean, if he does that every week, yes, he's going to win the Heisman. Um, and, and I was a doubter before game one. I wasn't sure he was going to be this type of quarterback, the same two we saw. But the talent's clearly there. He's a fi- He was a five-star recruit, and, and Alabama's offense probably held him back a little bit of what they asked him to do, what they let him do. Um, so if he keeps doing this, yeah, he's going to win the Heisman, and he will be there in New York, and it'll probably be him, Trevor Lawrence, and Tua. But wouldn't that be a wouldn't that be an interesting scene there? Him and Tua sitting next to each other in Manhattan. Be very interesting. It'd also be a unprecedented three quarterbacks from the same program 
winning three consecutive Heisman trophies. I mean, if he does, if unbelievable, it's a big if, but if Kyler Murray goes out this year and I'm not saying lights the world on fire, but proves that, you know, he belongs and is a solid NFL quarterback and all that. And Jalen hurts goes out and has this year. Jalen hurts can be number one pick in the draft next year. Or Kyler Murray tanks it. Like I expect him to Arizona tanks it in turn and goes and and goes and gets their fourth quarterback in the last three years. (laughs) Well, that uh, wouldn't shock me either. And I didn't want to turn this into a possible. Kyler Murray talk, Joe. Possible. I just wanted to make the the point that what that would be something if Jalen Hurts actually ended up jumping right. to a, on draft boards and all. That you stuff. know my stance. Happens, but it's you know my stance. It's fun right. to watch guys do things differently. Seldom does it work when you're doing it differently. So we won't get into the Kyler talk. Um, do you have any yeah, more? I had, a, I had a bonus buy or sell for Ooh, you. Uh, buy or sell, uh, Hugh Freeze. Coaching, uh, coaching from from the hospital bed up at Good the. Good for uh, Let's buy it. Why not? <laughs> he he had some fun with it. He looked like I think there's a sanitary it. issue there with the bed. And it everything. was yeah, just it wasn't an actual. It wasn't from the hospital. It was just a hospital bed. They just bought him one. It's fine. They put it in the booth. I thought it was. It was honestly, him into the locker room. That was like imagine being a player and you're watching your coach on like a big screen TV. Like I can't take that. What seriously. the hell is going on? I here? can't take that seriously, especially with like the way Hugh Freeze's <laughs> face looks. And he's kind of got those little buck teeth going on. Like, I would not be able to take that seriously. And then Dino Babers giving him the thumbs up to the booth. Oh, the point. Afterwards, the point at like, the end of the game. Yeah, like, Hugh Freeze gave a thumbs up. Like, I'm good. Thanks, man. Like, come on. I, I, I get it. Right, the the right dude loves about that stuff. The dude loves football. He loves being around football. But <laughs> come on, man. Like, you, you didn't need to do that. Go, go get right. Go get right. The boys will be all right without you. Uh, uh, yeah, I think, I think the boys will survive just fine without Hugh Freeze. Uh, Matt, it is uh, it is not only survival, but it is thrival time here. Football's here. It's back. Get your bets in. Saturday give, me final, give me a final score for tomorrow night. Final score tomorrow night. Bears 31, Green Bay 10. Oh, I love that. I, 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 I know I said a 10-point win, but 31-10 just came to me in a vision. I have a little bit more. I have a still a double digit win, but I have it being a little bit closer. I got the Bears twenty seven, the Packers 16. 27 to sixteen. Chicago Bears. Allen Robinson going to grab a couple touchdowns. I would buy into either one of those outcomes, uh, but uh, I would the Bears are back. I would buy those and back, not sell them. Meaning we are back um, every week with. Uh, bears hopefully celebrations more than uh, than tears that need to be wiped but uh, it is it is the the most wonderful time of the year matt and i can't wait to break it all down with you here on the moose and Moons podcast as we've, we move uh, forward into the 120s next week we, my friend. We, yeah this is 119 we, we've gotten some mailbags the last couple of weeks we haven't been able to get them because of these, these have been kind of our football uh centric type episodes but we will get back to those so keep sending those in just because you've sent them we haven't gotten to them doesn't mean we won't uh, but but thank you for the, to those who have been saying so. Yeah, we appreciate you guys. Thank you, as always, for tuning in and uh, sending your feedback, sending your questions. We're going to dig into that mailbag. Let's do a full NFL mailbag after week one next week. That's on right you guys. And until then, for Matt Rooney, I'm Joe Musso. We'll see you guys soon. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. (laughs) Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.